Hello and welcome to another Sunday podcast. Where am I? It's the 20th of October, 2022. I think it's Thursday. Is it Thursday? I don't know. <laughs> lightning. We've got thunder. We've got lightning over the north of me to the where the downs are, the south downs. Fantastic uh, strike just now. I've disconnected all my radio aerials because I don't want to get uh, my radios blown up if the aerials get hit. 16 degrees Celsius. I must find out the difference between Celsius and centigrade. I keep meaning to look that up, which is about 61 Fahrenheit. Um, atmospheric pressure on the old barometer is 1006, so it's very low. Pressure's gone right down. Wind, well, the flag is doing nothing. It's just hanging there, like a bit limp. Uh, so there's no wind at all. But what little breeze there was earlier is coming from the south. So up from France, Spain, all that lot, where it's a bit warmer. And the, the forecast just said that uh, from now on over the weekend and into next week, it's going to become quite warm. Late teens, early 20s, they said. That's the temperature, not people. <laughs> oh dear, talking rubbish as usual. Loads of emails, especially uh, concerning... Where's my note? Yeah, you know, I talked about... Um, pregnancy back in the 60s you know the the kind of loving era wasn't it everyone's loving each other free love the sexual revolution and all that loads of emails because I said that uh, back in those days if a girl got pregnant in her teens well any time really single girl it was really frowned upon oh dreadful <laughs> all that do you remember the, the names I don't think they use these days what was it strumpet harlot Jezebel, all these flowery type names, <laughs> I don't know. But no, seriously, back in those days, it was, it was a bit daft, really, because people were advocating all this free love. And yet, if anyone got pregnant, oh, dreadful. <laughs> so it, it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't quite go with the 60s, does it, really? But anyway, loads of emails about that with uh, from your memories of when you were, not when you were pregnant in the 60s. Mind you, one or two, one or two, Ladies have emailed me and said that uh, they fell pregnant in the 60s and a couple of you in the 50s where it really was frowned upon. I mean, it was just dreadful. In the early days, when was it, 30s, 40s? I don't know. I don't know much about this. If a girl got pregnant in her teens, she was banged up in a, an asylum uh, where they sort of looked after by nuns. And when she had the baby, it was taken away. I mean, dreadful things used to happen in the old days. But uh, yeah, thanks for all your emails. I find them very interesting. I'm not going to read them all out because there are too many. But uh, it really is fascinating reading through them. All your thoughts and recollections from the, the good old days. They weren't good old days in many ways, were they? People, younger people have said to me, what about this and what about that? For example, young women, if they're pregnant, single women, banged up in an asylum. That's not the good old days, is it? But uh, yeah, there, there were a lot of things that weren't right back then, admittedly. I know I'm always saying, oh, there were lovely times, I'd rather be back then. But uh, not everything was good. In fact, uh, at one stage, there was no National Health Service. Was it Bevan that introduced that, the, the Labour man, the National Health Service? Uh, that was a good thing, because before that, you had to pay for the doctor. And if you didn't have the money, then you didn't see a doctor. I think some doctors did say, look, you know, don't worry about the fee. I'll come and have a look at your children or whatever. But uh, in the main, you know, that was it. They charged. A bit like dentists these days. Any dentists out there? 
any national health dentist because my dentist is costing me a fortune. I've finished now with him, but uh, I've got a checkup in December. No doubt he'll say, oh dear, you know, that, um, oh dear, dear, dear me, we're going to have to do some work here. About £2,000 worth. <laughs> I don't know. Um, if the NHS disappears, I mean, there's all this stuff on the news, isn't there? Oh, it's in, in dire straits. It's going to collapse. I mean, if there was no NHS, I don't know what we'd do. As you know, Trisha's just had her gallbladder out. Mind you, that was private, wasn't it? Yeah, she, we pay insurance, so that was private. But if you haven't got the money and you need your gallbladder out, what do you do? Well, I suppose you don't have your gallbladder out, do you? I don't know. No point worrying about it. I said to my bum this morning, she phoned me, she said, oh dear, what about this and that? Because I, I don't do politics on here, as you know, but there's Liz Truss, the Prime Minister. There's so, is it Sue Braverman is now, what was she, the Home Secretary? She's walked out, she's re resigned. Jeremy Hunt's come in. I can't keep up with it. I saw a picture of Downing Street the other day on Twitter on uh, number 10 Downing Street and someone's cleverly put a revolving door on the front of 10 Downing Street. So, so one prime minister goes in, one comes out and it's just, I don't know. I said to my mother, don't worry about it at your age. You know, it doesn't matter. What about the grandchildren? Yeah, that's true. But I said, well, again, it doesn't matter. They'll sort it out. As they get older and become adults and vote and stuff, they'll do something or other, goodness knows what. But uh, I don't think people, that, as they're really... What's my mum now, 89 or... Is she? I don't know, 89, I think. No good worrying about politics at that age, is it? OK, going back to the gist of the episode. Gist, that's a funny word, isn't it? Pregnant teenage girls, single teenage girls. Back in the 60s, here we go, back in the good old days, when I was a boy, there was a girl that used to come into our local pub sort of in our crowd, but not really one of us. She had her own friends. And she came in one day, she'd always looked quite smart, and she came in one day in this long flowing sort of skirt thing, like a hippie. And she had this big baggy jumper on and flowers in her hair. I mean, seriously, we did, some of us in the 60s, we did stick flowers in our hair because that was the thing to do. <laughs> I did, yes. You're saying, did you? I did. I must have looked a right fool. I've got some photos somewhere. I had the full beard the long hair, the flowers. <laughs> I remember walking along the street, picking flowers out of people's gardens and stuffing them in my hair. Anyway, that's another issue. But this girl, she sort of suddenly became a hippie type person. And someone said, after a few weeks, someone said, oh, you know why she's wearing that big floppy jumper, don't you? She's pregnant. Wow, she's pregnant. Because everyone starts whispering, you know, that she's pregnant. Is she? Yeah. She, why do you think she's wearing those baggy clothes? And what happened was we were all keeping an eye on her. No one said anything to her, but sort of we're keeping an eye on her, looking out for a growing bump <laughs> where this baggy jumper was. They couldn't see anything, of course, with this jumper. I must say she did look good dressed as a hippie because I was a hippie myself and I like that. I like the hippie style girls. But uh, anyway, as the weeks and months went by, we're all, <laughs> all trying to see more. Is there a bump? Can you see a bump? None of us could with the baggy clothes. And what happened was it must have been about seven or eight months after she started wearing the clothes, she disappeared. And of course, people are saying, ah, you know what? Yeah, she's gone off to have the baby somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> that was that. We're all speculating, all us teenage lads, you know, being stupid as usual, all speculating about where she'd gone and 
perhaps she's hiding at home. We didn't know where she lived. I think one of her friends did, but us lot, our little crowd, didn't know where she lived or anything about her. And I saw her. Now, this is after the nine months. I saw her pushing a pram. So I'm thinking, there you go. All our suspicions and speculations. We were right. We were correct. (laughs) She's pregnant. As my friend put it, dare I say this, a friend of mine, when he first heard about this, he said, she's been tubbed. Tubbed. What a dreadful... Do you remember Budgie with uh, Adam Faith? Budgie, the the TV programme. He, I remember one part in that that reminded me, he got home to Hazel, his wife or girlfriend, and she was saying about some girl he'd been seeing, and he said, I think I've tubbed it, Hayes. (laughs) You wouldn't get away with that on telly these. I think I've tubbed it, Hayes. Meaning that his girl on the side he'd been seeing, he'd made her pregnant. Anyway, this girl, I went up to her in the street. She was with an older lady, and she said, oh, hello, how are you doing? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. I haven't seen you for ages. We got chatting. She said, this is my mum. And, uh, int- you know, introduced me and we had a little chat. And I said, what a lovely baby. Isn't he lovely? It was a boy. And her mother said to me, oh, Lynn can't wait to have her own baby, but uh, she's got to find someone to get married to first. And I, I'm thinking, Lynn, her own baby? The mother was making out that it was her baby. Not Lynn, that's her name, by the way, not Lynn, the girl, but she's making out that it's her baby. So I said, oh, sorry. I, I, and Lynn said, you thought it was mine? She said, I've heard rumours in the pub going round that I'm pregnant. She said, I don't know why people ever said that. I'm not pregnant. It's my mum's baby. And I just said, oh, right, because I didn't believe her. I said, oh, OK, yeah, fair enough. Because back in the old days, I actually know someone. The daughter, this is back in the 50s, the daughter had a baby at home. She didn't tell anyone. I think she must have been about 18. And they made out that it was her mother's baby. The daughter sort of hid away for the last few weeks. Then the mother came out pushing a pram. Oh, look, I've had a baby. (laughs) So that did happen. That did happen quite a lot. And I thought that's what had happened in this case. I mentioned it to one of my friends. Of course, word soon got round the pub. And (laughs) everyone's steering clear of this girl, this Lynn, they're steering clear because they didn't know what to say. She started chatting to me one evening because we, we kind of got to know each other a bit better after that. And I said to her, is that really your mum's baby? And she was most indignant. What do you mean? She said, yes, it is. It's my mum's baby. And it, it transpired that that was the case. It was her mother's baby. They just uh, unexpected, unplanned baby turned up a bit later in life. But uh, it's quite funny, (laughs) quite funny that everyone's saying, oh, she's pregnant. (laughs) I think I mentioned in one of the early uh, episodes, went round a friend's house and there's nappies hanging around the the kitchen. Um, I thought his mum had had a baby and it turns out that it was his sister. Now, this was the 60s. Again, the stigma was there because I said, oh, nappies. Oh, yeah, he said, that's my sister. Got had a baby. And she was single, still lived at home, and you know, she didn't make out it was her mum's, but uh, she did live at home with the baby. I don't know who the, the father was, but uh, that was one aspect of the 60s that you don't hear about much. There's all this free love and stuff, but you don't hear about these poor girls that got pregnant. Back in the 70s, when I bought my first house, or we bought our first house, I should say, about 50 yards down the road, there was a house that was 
All overgrown, the front garden was dreadful. There's ivy growing up the walls. It really did look bad. No one sort of knew. Well, we knew. I think the neighbours said there was some woman living there. Obviously a, a recluse. No one knew anything about her. The immediate next door neighbours had glimpses of her in the back garden, which again, apparently, I, I did, couldn't see the back garden, but apparently it was really overgrown. And they reckoned she was in her 30s. And I remember one morning walking past and there was a pram in her front garden by the front door. You could barely get up the path to the front door because of the weeds and shrubs and everything overgrown. But there was a fairly new looking pram by her front door. And of course, <laughs> words all going round the neighbourhood. She's pregnant. No, no, who's going to, you know, who would uh, go out with her? Because she really did look like a, a scruff, according to those that had seen her. And a lot of the neighbours kept <laughs> looking out of their window to see if they could see her pushing this pram. No one ever did, from what I gather. But the pram did move around. Every time I walked past, it was a slightly different position. Sometimes it wasn't there. So we assumed she'd taken it in. Sometimes it was there. Never heard a baby crying because I spoke to the immediate neighbours. Have you heard any baby crying? No, no, nothing at all. No baby crying. So I don't know what that was all about. I only lived there for, what, five years or so. So I don't know what happened in the end. I never did see her in all the five years. Isn't that strange? How you can have someone living in a house in the same road, just, well, the immediate neighbours even, only a glimpse of her in the garden on the odd occasion. That's, that's weird, isn't it? She must have had her story. Perhaps it was her mother's house and her mother had left it to her. I don't know. Another strange thing. A friend of mine worked abroad. He worked in Antigua for many years and he came back. And he came into the pub. And, I'm back, I'm back. You know, we had a few beers, as you do, as you did <laughs> in those heady, wonderful days. And we were asking him all about Antigua. And one evening, when he wasn't there, this chap came in in a suit uh, with a briefcase and he said, I'm going to call him Fred, this friend of mine. Has anyone seen or know the whereabouts of uh, Mr Smith, Fred Smith? And of course, we're all uh, looking at each other. No, no, never heard of him. And we're thinking, who's this? What's this chap want? Coming into a pub? Most unusual. Having said that, most unusual. Two people in suits with briefcases went to see a friend of mine once at his house. They said, oh, good evening. This was evening. This friend was telling me about it. About eight in the evening. We're from the Inland Revenue. That's the IRS in America, isn't it? Inland Revenue here. And he said, oh, yeah, <laughs> how can I help you? They said, can we see your national insurance card? Now, in the old days when you're self-employed, you had a card and you go to the post office and buy your, your NI stamps, national insurance stamps. And he showed them it was up to date. And they said, oh, OK, yeah, just checking. And off they went. Now, the revenue don't do that. I'm sure they didn't ever do that. They certainly don't now. Well, there are no stamps, are there now? So that was weird. You've got to be careful. This is why when this chap came into the pub, anyone uh, know the whereabouts of Fred Smith? No, never heard of him. <laughs> Someone said, who wants to know? And the chap didn't answer. He just left. Oh, he left his card with the, the landlord, the chap behind the bar. He was a solicitor, allegedly, because his landlord, when he'd gone, he showed us. He said, look, he's a solicitor. What would he want with Fred? Next time Fred came in, the landlord said, right, look, this chap, he's looking for you. Fred, that wasn't his name, but that'll do. And Fred said, a solicitor? Well, I've been in Antigua for the last five years. What's he want? He was obviously trying to track him down, but what for? Why would a solicitor want to get after someone? 
didn't sound good and Fred didn't like the sound of it. And then we heard that this chap had been asking neighbours of where Fred used to live. He was now in a rented place. He'd just come back from Antigua. He was in a rented place just temporarily until I think he was trying to get his money back from Antigua, something like that. So they'd gone to where he used to live and were asking around there. So, of course, there all this intrigue going on. Eventually, Fred, uh, he rang the place. He said, look, I'm Fred Smith. What do you want? And, of course, on the phone, oh, no, no, we, we can't say that. You'll have to come into the office, which he did. He was very wary. Anyway, we, he came into the pub that evening. He said, right, well, I've been to the solicitor. Yeah, we were all expecting him to get banged up for something. <laughs> for something, but uh, we were all saying, well, what is it? What happened, Fred? What happened? Some long-lost aunt had left him £20,000. Now, that is back in the days. My first house was, what, 9400 So £20,000, you put that, kind of relate that, that's a couple of houses, just about. And he was over the moon. Some aunt that he he said he didn't know existed. So with that money, he bought a, a house here, eventually got his money from Antigua, and uh, he was laughing. And that was that. But it's worrying, isn't it? Someone in a suit and, you know, shirt and tie with a briefcase. I'm looking for Cerns, though. Anyone know the whereabouts of Fred Smith? Of course, everyone clams up. No, no, I've never heard of him. <laughs> but you do have to be wary. These days, we've got identity theft online, haven't we? But in those days, obviously, there was no online stuff. But there were fraudsters around. And if someone's looking for someone, you do have to be a little bit wary talking of being left a house by a long-lost aunt or whatever. I knew a chap, he lived with his mum. His dad had since passed away. This is the thing about having children early, isn't it? Or late. My mum was 17 when she had me, so I had a young mum. And some of the mums at the school, at the school gates, you know, waiting for us, I'd look at them and think, that must be his grandmother. That's not his mum, surely, you know, some old lady. Because <laughs> old to me when I'm sort of, I don't know, five years old or whatever, eight years old. My mum was, what, about sort of 24, 25 years old. And some of the <laughs> some of the mums were kind of in their 40s. And to me, they looked like grannies. Now I forget what I was going to say. Oh, no, I don't. This chap lived with his mum. His dad had passed away, elderly mum. And she passed away. Now, the house was rented. His mother had always paid the rent, no problem there. When she passed away, she left a will, and he was the only child. And he you know, he went to the, the reading of the will. It was all done properly with a solicitor. And the chap said, Mrs Smith, we'll call her, leaves her house and all her worldly goods to Roderick, we'll call him, her one and only son. So Roderick's sort of saying, well, hang on a minute, it's rented. The house is rented. It's not hers. She can't, <laughs> she can't leave me a rented property. And it had to be looked into. So Solicitor looked into it and they discovered that it wasn't rented. She owned it outright. Now this Roderick, as we call him, I always use different names just in case people, I'll tell you about that. Someone contacted me. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But just in case someone's listening and they don't want this spread all around the world as these episodes are <laughs> literally all around the world people listen to this so Roderick we call him he was amazed he thought the house was rented but it was hers I think he'd looked into it and her dad his dad rather had bought the house before he'd married uh, yeah, Roderick's mum 
he assumed it was rented because his mum was all saying, well, make sure you pay the rent when you get your own place. Pay the rent like I do. You've got to pay the rent. And he just assumed the house was rented. He never really thought much about it. Anyway, there we are. He was left a house and all her worldly goods. So another happy ending. Well, not happy ending because his mum died, but uh, a better ending than it could have been possibly. Just had some breaking news. I know I don't do politics on here, but our Prime Minister, Liz Truss, has just resigned (laughs) after, was it 40-something days as PM? She's now resigned. So more chaos. (laughs) Dear me, it's a farce, isn't it? It's just a joke. Anyway, enough of that. I just thought I'd tell the world. Mind you, by the time you hear this on Sunday, it'll be old news, won't it? Not to worry. Let's move on. Yes, I almost forgot to tell you a girl I once knew many years ago. We call her Miss X. That doesn't sound good, does it? Miss X. No, we call her Miss X. She emailed me the other day, raiserants at protonmail.com, and she said, you talked about me in one of your podcast episodes. She was the girlfriend I went down to Hope Cove in Devon with. Do you remember that episode where I popped down there? We were going to go camping. And she messaged me and she said, that was me. I remember it well. So we've had a couple of chats via email, which is good. She now lives in Spain, gone abroad. So (laughs) no chance of meeting up, mind you. We probably both look a lot different now than we did then in our youth. Happy days. That reminds me, actually, a couple of people have contacted me over the, well, probably half a dozen over all the years I've been doing this. One recently called Malcolm. He said, I remember you from the pub. And I don't remember a Malcolm in the pub. And he said, uh, I forget the name of the pub. What was it called? So I I just made it up. I said, I think I said the hen and chicken or something down on the seafront, something daft like that. If you're listening, Malcolm, I I know it's not true what you're saying. And he emailed back, oh, I remember the hen and chicken. Yeah, I remember it. Well, I remember you in there in the old days down on the seafront. There was no hen and chicken on the seafront. So I don't know what you're doing, Malcolm, apart from having a laugh. (laughs) But I have over the years had about, I don't know, I suppose half a dozen where people have said, I remember you and they don't at all. They're making it up. Oh dear. It's all good fun, isn't it? Miss X, the Hope Cove girlfriend. Yeah, as I said, we've had a couple of emails back and forth, which is nice. Updating on what's going on. It's funny all these years later, because we were in our teens at the time. And now, well, I'm in my 70s. (laughs) It's a lifetime ago, isn't it? Stone the crows. I don't know how old she is. Well, she's probably only a couple of years younger than me, so she's heading for 70 herself. She's got kids. I've got kids, grandkids and all this business. There we go. I haven't actually kept in touch with anyone from the, from my sort of, well, no one from school. No one really from my teens or 20s. I don't know. I think one or two. My brother-in-law, he married my sister as brother-in-laws do. I met him when I was, what, 16, so I've known him all along. I don't know anyone from school. That's probably because I hated school and most of the people at school. (laughs) Work-wise, I don't see anyone. It's strange, isn't it? In fact, my son has said on the odd occasion, he said to me, I've got any friends. I said, well, I wouldn't worry about that. Neither have I. (laughs) I mean, I've got, you know, I know people, I know loads of acquaintances, but uh, I do have one or two friends, actually. 
I suppose it depends on the definition of a friend. I suppose a friend is someone that would drop everything to help you in your time of need and come running and things like that. And you you would do anything you know likewise for them. Uh, yeah, there are a few people I know like that. I've got mainly family, big family, and of course we're all uh, we're all friends and we all get on well. We've got a, a WhatsApp group, and if anyone's in need, they go on there. Help! I need this. I need that. And of course, the whole family are there. <laughs> which is great, offering help and offering lifts and goodness knows what else. So that's good fun. Email from Lee. Hello, Lee. He says, am I going to do a Halloween ghost story? Wow, we're getting close to the, the actual day, aren't we? Yeah, I shall work on that, Lee. Uh, Ray says, <laughs> Ray says, what's he sound? I haven't answered the email yet. Yeah, this is about the uh, midweek message where I mentioned, you know, you sit on a beach and people come and sit right next to you. You go to the doctor's waiting room and it's empty. So you sit down and someone sits in the chair right up against you. Ray says the same thing in a car park. You know, you park your car, the car park's almost empty. What happens? <laughs> someone comes and parks their car right next to you. Far easier to swing your doors open and get in and out when there's no one. Yes, it's true, isn't it? I've noticed that when we go up to the supermarket, do our shopping. I try to park well away from the entrance because... You've got plenty of space, even if the car park isn't that full, I'll park a fair distance away. And when we come out, what happens? Car either side, the whole car park. I see what you mean, Ray, and all the other bits and pieces you mentioned here. In your back garden, a seating area that was very private, six foot fence. So what's the bloke next door do? He raises, <laughs> he raises his garden by about three feet. So the top of your six foot fence is level with his waist when he's standing in his garden. Stone the rooks. Oh, I don't know. What is wrong with people? Another one here from Gillian. Hello, Gillian. She says that uh, they had a lovely six-foot fence all around the garden and the neighbour next door owned that fence, you know, dividing the two gardens. So what the neighbour next door did was take the six-foot fence down and put a three-foot fence there all the way down the whole length of the garden. Now, it's their fence, so you couldn't do much about it. And of course, it's all opened up. Three foot fence. Everyone can see everything. That must be really annoying, actually. Uh, anyway, she says what she's done or what her and her husband have done. They're growing a load of shrubs. They've got some fast growing stuff and they're training all these shrubs their side of the fence, of course. And they're just hoping that in a couple of years, it'll be at least four or five feet to start to make it a little bit secluded again. But that is odd, isn't it? Taking down a perfectly good six foot fence and putting a three-foot fence there, presumably just so they can see what the neighbours are up to. <laughs> Goodness me. I've heard from Janet again. Oh, by the way, Lee, yes, I'm working on that. Yeah, heard from Janet again, and uh, she listened to the, the midweek one. <laughs> and I, I'm glad you're not my next-door neighbour, Janet. She says, I sunbathe on the patio right at the back of the house in the nude. And she says, no one can see, it's perfectly secluded. So what <laughs> what this chap next door did, oh yeah, he's the same, isn't it? Uh, he's raised his, his level so he can look over the fence. He raised the level of his patio so his head is about a foot above the fence. And then he complained. Apparently he complained to whoever. And <laughs> she hasn't said who to, but apparently there's nothing anyone could do about it. If she wants to sunbathe naked on her patio, it's up to her because the only way he can look is if he goes up to the fence and kind of sticks his head over, apparently. I'm not sure about that. 
Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting, Janet. I wonder where you'd got to. Not heard from you for a, a few weeks now. So um, thank you for that one. I'm just uh, trying to get that image out of my mind because I want to get on with the podcast. <laughs> Going back to the old days when perhaps uh, a girl got pregnant. That was frowned upon. Great stigma and all this business. Things were very different. I know I'm, as I said earlier, I know I'm always saying I'd like to go back to the 50s. There were a lot of bad things then. For example, if a, a lady wanted to get divorced, divorce her husband, well, she could do that if he agreed. And then she'd just walk out of the house. It was his house. If he, you know, he's paying the mortgage, it's his house. In fact, I know a couple, they wanted to move. They were what, in their, I don't know, what, in their 40s, were they? This is going back to the 1960s and the chap wanted a move. These are people that I used to know. I haven't seen them for years. He wanted a move and his wife said, OK, I, I agree, I will move with you, we'll move. But the next house we want, which they'd already found, I want to be on the mortgage. I want it 50-50. I'm on the mortgage, not just your house. And he didn't like it. But in the end, he said, OK, fair enough. You know, And they did that. They He got her on the mortgage, so it was... It belonged to both of them. I don't know whether you can hear that wind. It's really getting up. But that was a trouble in the old days. If the wife wanted to leave, then she walked out with nothing. You know, the house, the furniture, everything was his. So that's awful. Yeah, you know, what else is there awful about the old days? I'm always praising the old days. So let me have a think. I'll make a cup of tea and have a think about the bad parts of the old days. I should have mentioned it's now Friday evening. Where are we? Six o'clock, getting dark quite a wind coming from the west a real wind and the clouds well it's almost dark clouds are very black over the, the to the north there oh there goes a dustbin i don't know whether you heard that someone's dustbin's gone flying up the street that's the trouble with these plastic wheelie bins in the old days when i was a boy we had proper metal dustbins you wouldn't get those blowing over well possibly if they were empty but not when they were full up talking of some of the things that weren't so good in the old days there was something on tv was it tv or twitter or somewhere recently the youngsters of today saying that the older people oh you had it so good it was all right for you you had everything and all this business and the older people <laughs> would say it must have been on twitter the older people were coming back and saying we had ice on the inside of our bedroom windows we didn't have central heating a lot of us didn't have a phone or a television. Then the youngsters were coming back and there's this argument going on. Yes, it must have been Twitter. Don't think it was Facebook. There's this argument going on between a load of youngsters and a load of elderly people. Whichever way you look at the old days, I remember the 50s well. I was a child. I remember the 50s well and the 60s, of course, even better. They were great days. They were fantastic days. The music in the 60s, fantastic the the way people dressed the hippies all the different things in the 60s you could do there was the isle of wight festival i saw Jimi hendrix at the albert hall was that oh, when was that yeah that was 60s there were nightclubs everywhere live bands playing all over the place and they were good really good live bands the girls wore mini skirts <laughs> i had to put that one in didn't i the girls wore mini skirts so that's got to be good hasn't it some of the boys look like girls. Mind you, that hasn't changed, has it? So <laughs> Some of the boys these days, they look like girls. I remember in my teens driving along, you see from behind uh, someone with long blonde hair. You think, oh, look, she's nice. When you go past, you look back, there's a chap with a beard. <laughs> 
that's happened to me on more than one occasion. And of course, back then you could sh shout things out of the car window. If you do that now, you get arrested. Not that I would do that now anyway, would I? Well, I don't know. It's tempting sometimes, isn't it? No, it's not tempting really. I wouldn't do that because some people don't like it. Times have changed. It's no good old people like me saying, oh, when I was a boy, which I do constantly, according to Tricia, every day. When I was a boy, we did this and we didn't have that. We had this and we had that. If we got cold in the winter, we put a jumper on and then another coat or two coats, three coats, two jumpers, loads of socks. That's all very well, but that doesn't really help people these days. It, it, it's totally different, isn't it? It's like, what is it they say? Chalk and cheese or something. It is true that if you can't quite afford to have the heating on all the time in the winter, because it really does cost now, then put a jumper on. Put a jumper on with a jacket over the top just to keep yourself a little bit warmer. Put on a, a thick pair of socks or something. You know, whether you're male or female or whatever, just stick a pair of socks on while you're watching telly. Put your feet up on the sofa. That'll keep you warm. But it really is no good saying, oh, we, we had ice on the inside of our windows in the bedroom. And I remember getting out of the bath as a kid, rushing through, out of the bath, big towel round me that my mum would put round me, rush through the hall to the lounge where the coal fire's going, stand in front of the coal fire, shivering. <laughs> now, did that make a man of me? I, I don't think so, no. Was it a worthwhile experience? Perhaps in some ways it was, I don't know. I suppose I, I've known what it's like to be freezing cold, get into bed at night, the room's like an ice box, the bed's freezing, and you've got a hot water bottle, so you snuggle down in bed with your hot water bottle, your torch and a, a, I don't know, a book to read or a comic to read and listen to a, a play on the radio. I used to like doing that. Happy days in some ways, but not every way. I drove downtown today to drop Tricia off and the traffic, you would not believe the traffic. I don't know what's going on. Now that's something in the old days that was a lot better. There are hardly any cars. <laughs> now this is one of my pet hates recently by recently, I suppose, I mean the last few years, there are just so many cars on the road now, roadworks everywhere. I just dropped her into town. That wasn't too bad. Driving there was easy. Coming back, absolute nightmare. Idiot drivers, what is wrong with people? We're at the red traffic lights. Several cars move off except the one in front of me. I don't know what the chap was doing, just sitting there. So someone behind me blasted, then I blasted him and he's looking round to see, well, what's the problem? Then he looked back at the lights and realised what the problem was. Everyone's gone except him, and the lights went red. Oh, so we were all sitting there again. I mean, why do that? Another chap coming back. You won't believe this was all in one journey uh, today, coming back from town. Another chap. We've got crossing gates. The gates come down for the train to go. You've got to get across. There were no lights flashing, no red lights or anything like that, or like you have in America, ding, 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 none of that. I wish we had ding, ding, ding. We have these dreadful sirens that, well, I won't try and imitate that, or hurt your ears. So this chap's going slowly up to the gates, very slowly. I don't know what he was doing, looking for a shop or something. And then the gates came down. He had plenty of time to cross over the line. But he was messing about, I don't know what he was doing. Of course, people behind me are blasting, so I blasted him. And then we all had to wait at the gates for three trains. 
And the very same chap, when the gates opened, he did finally move off. He, you won't believe it. He indicated left and turned right. And I'm thinking, what, what is going on? Is it me? Have, have I gone mad? What's happening? Is that what we do now? Mind you, most people don't indicate. You see them coming along the road towards you. You think, right, I can't go out. I'll wait till he's gone before I turn out. And then he turns into the road that I'm in. Oh, had he indicated, I could have pulled out. They do the same at roundabouts. Honestly, idiots. Absolute idiots. I heard something quite worrying on the news the other day. A lot of people are coming into this country, into Britain, and they haven't got a driving licence or anything like that. They just get themselves a car and start driving around. They've got no licence, no insurance, nothing like that. Just get themselves a cheap car and start driving around. Now, that's not good, is it? A lot of them, you know, they've never even had a driving test. They just get behind the wheel, have a bit of a practice. Oh, yeah, I can do this. And off they go. So I, I don't know what's happening there. That's uh, <laughs> I think I, I'm looking forward to the day when I don't have to drive anymore. I remember Trisha's dad, bless him, he's gone now, when he said, I've decided I'm not going to drive anymore. I'm, I forget how old he was. He said, I've had enough of it and I don't want to become dangerous to other road users and pedestrians. So I'm not going to drive anymore. So uh, her mum drove, you know, his, his wife drove and she still does. She's a few years younger than him. So she drives around, which is fine. But she was saying the other day, the time will come when she gets rid of her car. You know, you've got to, you've got to decide at some stage when you're too old to drive. Now, some people, I knew a chap, now this is bad. I knew a chap, he had a, is it a cataract? You know, the eye thing, cataract. Couldn't quite see properly and carried on driving. And what was it? The optician, I think, said to him, uh, do you drive? And he said, oh, no, no. And he did. And the optician said, well, that's good because, you know, you can't drive with that. I thought they had to report to the licensing authority or something. I might have got that story a little bit wrong, but he was told not to drive because of this cataract and he did drive. Now, that is just criminal, really, isn't it? I think I'm right in saying that if a doctor says you can no longer drive for whatever reason, the doctor will tell. It's the DVLA, isn't it, in Swansea? What's that stand for? Driving... Licence authority, or I don't know, some people in Swansea that give you licences or take them away if you drink too much. So yes, I'm pretty sure if a doctor, a doctor is bound to tell the DVLA that, you know, so-and-so of whatever address is unfit to drive and then they will take his licence away. Now, here's a good question for you. When did the driving test in Britain first come in? When did you first have to have a, a driving test before you could allow to drive a car? There were people, this is pre-war, there were people that got themselves a car, learnt how to drive it on their own, just pottering about, oh, what's this do? Oh, that's the gears, where's the clutch? <laughs> and they could, they could just drive. There was no test. And a lot of people, um, I, again, I heard this somewhere years ago on the telly, a lot of people after the war into the 50s, they'd never taken a driving test. They've been driving for years, never taken a test because there wasn't a driving test. So that's interesting, isn't it? Is it? It is interesting. So do you, who remembers that? Do you remember that? Because I don't. I'm too young. Well, no, I suppose you're too young as well. That's something else I shall put on my list to look up. When did driving tests first come into the uh, into Great Britain? Well, or America, Australia, anywhere where you are. Here we go. News flash. Now what's happened? Do you know, I dread these news flashes that come up on my watch. Uh, right, I'm up for it. Boris Johnson, 
tells Ally he's entering race to be PM, politics latest. Goodness me. So <laughs> have you heard about this? I told you earlier about Liz Trust. She's got uh, resigned or chucked out or whatever. 44 days she's been prime minister. And now Boris, he's flying back from his holiday in the Bahamas with Carrie, his wife, presumably with the kids. And everyone's saying we want Boris back to be prime minister. So everything is going mental. And now apparently Boris has said to some ally of his, yeah, I'm up for the race. I'm going for it. <laughs> if Boris comes back, I don't know. Anyway, we don't do politics, do we? So let's move on swiftly. Just one thing more on that before I move on swiftly. Would you want to be prime minister? 200,000 a year, half a million pounds, a million pounds a year. I would not want to be prime minister. It must be awful. You've got people loving you. You've got people hating you. Some newspapers are for you and some are against you and dreadful things written about you on Twitter and threats and goodness knows what. I wouldn't do it. I don't know why people want to be a prime minister or anyone in, high up in government like that. Stone the crows is the last job I want. I'd rather have something relaxing like a, a postman in a country village where you pot around on your bicycle in the summer. Trouble is you have to pot around on your bike in the winter as well, don't you? In the snow, three foot thick and the village is cut off from, from everywhere. Things are very different again these days, looking back to the 50s, 60s. A lot of people didn't like their jobs. I suppose people don't like their jobs now. But again, there's no comparison. In the old days, in the 60s, I mean, I worked as a radio and TV engineer, even after my apprenticeship. It was six days a week. We started 8.30 Monday morning, um, you know, 8.30 till 6. No, half five, 8.30 to half five. Six days a week. We did get a half day in the end on a Wednesday because it was half day closing. On uh, The shops used to close Wednesday afternoons. But we worked a full six days a week. Even on Saturday, half eight in the morning till half five in the afternoon. So your only day off was Sunday. But we didn't think, oh, this isn't fair. We're doing six days a week and blah, blah, blah. Because that was the norm. Most people did six days a week. So that was just the norm. Whereas these days there's more, well, it's more spread out. I know you can work from home, but if a shop's open six days a week or seven days a week, as most of them are now, then you're not working seven days a week. You do your days and someone does their days. So you're not kind of seven days a week. But back then it was the norm. I know people didn't like their jobs. I remember our Coleman moaning when I was a kid. He was lugging sacks on, you know, on his back. Coal sack, what are they, 100 weight? What's 100 weight? Is it 112 pounds? Oh, I don't know, I can't remember. And he's lugging these coal sacks, going round the back of our place, sticking them in the, the coal bunker. And I remember <laughs> he walked past me and he was mumbling, this job, I don't know why I do this job, and didn't get enough money. What an awful job. He was covered, he was black with coal. You know, the dust and everything. I felt so sorry for him. But he carried on doing it for years. I remember him. We had the same coal man year in, year out. <laughs> and he was always moaning. One thing that's very different about work these days, I knew someone a few years back worked in an office. Uh, he left in the end and went to do something else. But in his office, he told me there was this useless chap, absolutely useless. He was terrible on the phone. He gave people the wrong information. He was terrible on the computer. He got things wrong. He didn't do the procedure, office procedure properly. And he was awful. So to get rid of him 
what the boss did because you can't sack people apparently in this office. So the boss promoted him to get rid of him to another department. And he went to this other department on more money with this promotion and was just as useless there, if not more useless there. And they couldn't, they couldn't sack him. Apparently he had warnings, is it verbal warnings and written warnings and stuff, but they couldn't sack him. Now, back in the old days, as this friend of mine was saying, when we were boys, we'd just get the sack. Right, you're useless, there's your cards, get out, you're no good to us. Now you might say, well, that's bad. I suppose in some ways it's bad, in some ways it's good, because you can't have people just lazing around, not doing the job properly. And they just stay in their job because that's not fair on the others. Yeah, that was this friend of mine. That, that was his biggest gripe. He was having to do a lot of the work this other chap should have done. Then the other chap gets promoted and gets more money. But his immediate boss, his manager of his bit, had got rid of the chap. So it was someone else's problem. But I mean, that's not the way to do it, is it? I remember my boss, he used to shout in the TV workshop, I won't say what he said, because I can't say that on here, but he'd swear. And people were frightened of him. I mean, you did anything wrong, that's it, right? You're out, you're sacked. <laughs> I don't know. It used to be, we used to laugh, because I was in my teens, early 20s, you know, and the other lads, a lot of them were my age. And we used to hide behind our television sets that we were repairing, and we're sniggering <laughs> like silly schoolboys. Well, we were. We weren't far off silly schoolboys. I think I still am in many ways, and why not? Who wants to grow up? Talking of growing up and having fun, not that I was talking about that, but having fun even as you get older, having a laugh. I knew a chap, he's moved away now. A lot of people move away that I knew. I wonder why. Perhaps it's to get away from me. But he was miserable, miserable as sin. He really was awful. He'd never have a laugh. He'd never join in any fun. And, oh, oh, can't do that. Oh dear, you better not do that. He sapped the happiness from people, you know, a crowd of us going out. And he was, I mean, this is uh, not too long ago, what, 20 years ago? A few of us would go out for an evening, someone's birthday or whatever, and he'd sit there miserable, goodness me. And he made other people miserable. He, he dragged them down. You know, you get a phone call from someone and they uplift you. you know, after the phone call, you, you feel good. Oh, I'm glad he phoned, that was great. Another phone call... Afterwards, you're thinking, oh, my goodness, I wish he hadn't phoned. Oh, dear, I wish he hadn't phoned. I feel awful now, <laughs> depressed. <laughs> Some people have that effect, don't they? They kind of radiate depression, go around with a cloud over their heads, whereas other people radiate happiness and laughter. I suppose if you are down and depressed and that, then, you, you know, you're not going to go around radiating happiness and laughter. It's not your fault. But I, I do think that they should perhaps try and sort themselves out and either not go and depress people or, I don't know, trying to be a bit happy. I don't know. I don't know. I'm always saying I don't know. In fact, that reminds me, um, David, hello, David, he emailed <laughs> the other day and he said, you keep saying whatever. I know I do, David. I mentioned that, didn't I, a week or two ago. I said I keep saying whatever. Now you're emailing me saying you keep saying whatever. <laughs> now I keep saying oh, I don't know. But it's funny, the emails I get. Unless I listen to the recording, unless I play it back, I'm not aware. Uh, we went through this before, didn't we? I'm not aware of what I, I'm saying. You know, idiosyncrasies, that's the word, isn't it? I think I mentioned once before, a friend of mine used to say, you know, like went to start the car this morning, you know, like, and it wouldn't start, you know, like, 
So I had to call out the garage, you know, like, <laughs> and it was funny. What's the other one? And he turns around and goes, blah, blah, blah. So I turns around and goes, so there's all these people turning around and going. <laughs> it's only when you listen to your own voice on a recording that you realise you're doing these things. And I think it's been quite enlightening. I have tried to clean up my act a little bit because of the emails I've had. I wish you wouldn't keep doing this. I wish you wouldn't keep doing that. So I try to sort of make a mental note. I, I must stop doing that. <laughs> but I can't help laughing because I think it's all good fun. And when I say clean up, I don't mean that it's, you know, naughty, dirty, rude jokes and stuff. Oh, I did have a, <laughs> I told my sister-in-law a joke the other day. We were in the car, Trish and her sister, we were all in the car, I'm driving. And uh, I told her this joke. And she found it hilarious. I thought that uh, she'd be cross and tell me off. But she found it hilarious. She was laughing her head off. I forget what the joke was. I mean, I couldn't tell you on here anyway. Um, perhaps if you email me, I'll tell you the joke. No, don't email me. Because I'll have to copy and paste the joke to a million people. Well, I don't get that many emails. Well, not a day anyway. Perhaps a million a week. I just remembered the joke. No, I mustn't say it. I just remembered it. Brilliant. I can't remember jokes. Friend of mine, Tony, he can remember a million jokes. Always coming out with jokes and I just cannot remember them. Sometimes he'll tell me a joke and I'll think, that's a really good one. I'll remember that. Five minutes later, I've forgotten. I just can't remember. In some cases, it's probably just as well. Oh, if anyone's got a secret in the family, like there's a surprise. OK, don't tell anyone. This is going to be a surprise next Saturday. They tell me because it's not that I can keep a secret, it's that I forget. If someone said to me, what are we doing next Saturday? Oh, I don't know, there was something, oh, I can't remember. So they know that I'm safe <laughs> with secrets. We're doing Secret Santa this year. Have you heard of Secret Santa? Don't want to mention Christmas, really. But that what it is, you all write down, so you decide on an amount of money, 50 quid, we'll say, 50 pounds. So you all write down what you want, like Trish and I would write down what we want, up to about £50 as a present. And then you put these jokes, no, not jokes, <laughs> I've got jokes on my mind, put these requests and that in a, a hat. Well, these days it's all done on the computer, but you put them in a hat and then each person takes out one. And then you'll see on there, oh, look, look, Fred and Frieda, they want a new food mixer. So that's what we'll get them. Now, they don't know. They get the food mix, so they don't know who's given it to them. Secret Santa. And it works well. Because apart from all the children, you know, we all buy presents for the children. But apart from the kids, all we've got to do with all the adults is get one present each. Someone, you know, ours is a food mixer for Fred and Frieda. That's what we do. We get a food mixer and that's their present. And someone, we don't know who, will buy whatever it is we've put on our thing. It just saves having to buy presents for everyone. You know, it goes on and on and on. I shouldn't talk about Christmas, really, but in the supermarket the other day, good grief, they got all Christmas, the mince pies and the Christmas stuff. And it's only October. We're only a third of the way through October. What's all this Christmas stuff? Of course, November the 5th. You don't have that abroad, do you, in America? You don't have Guy, uh, Guy Fawkes Night. Because Guy Fawkes didn't try and blow up the White House or anything, did he? Tried to blow up the Houses of Parliament which someone said the other day on telly, they mentioned Guy Fawkes and said perhaps we need him to come back to sort out Parliament. No, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, um, what was I saying? I can't remember now. Oh, that's right, bonfire night. 
November the 5th. It's going to be that next, isn't it? There's going to be fireworks going off every evening for any day now. From any day now, it will start. Bang, bang, <whistles> bang. All this. The rabbits don't like it. Dogs, cats don't like it. They go on and on. And they're loud. Some of them are so loud. They did try and have a... I think there is a law now where you can only do fireworks... Is it on the night or so many days before and after? But people just do it whenever they like. Did you see the protesters up the bridge? The was it the is it the QE two bridge or whatever it is? Dartford Crossing, you know. There's a tunnel one way and then the bridge the other way. These protesters climbed up the top, and the police had to close the bridge in case they fell off into the traffic or something. And people at night were firing rockets up there. So I don't know where they got rockets from. Where do you, where do you get rockets this time of year? Firework type rockets. And people were firing rockets up there at them. I mean, that's a bit dangerous. I can understand their frustration. But um, they showed you on telly these huge rockets going up and bangs and star bombs or whatever they're called all over the place. Fantastic on bonfire night. Done safely. But I don't think you should really fire them at people. The trouble is it... it does frustrate a lot of people. They're trying to get to work. Imagine sitting in your car, you're trying to get to work. I think they said the, the tailbacks in the cars were six miles, you know, waiting to cross the, the bridge. Six mile tailbacks. And of course, you once you're in the, the queue, you can't just turn around and go out. You can't get out of the queue. You're stuck. You can't all reverse. You have six miles of traffic reversing. It just doesn't happen. I've just realised I made myself a cup of tea and it's gone cold. Well, it's warm. I don't like warm tea. Trish doesn't mind warm tea. I don't like it. I like strong tea that you can stand the spoon up in. It's good, isn't it? Oh, something on telly today that reminded me of uh, talking to you on these podcast episodes. They were talking about the weather. They were saying that Brits love talking about the weather. And they were saying two gentlemen meet for a meeting or in an office or wherever. First thing they do is they talk about the weather. Oh, a bit of a wet day out there today. Hot today, isn't it? A bit windy out there today. Well, what do you think of this chill? It was uh, all right yesterday. It's got really cold today. It's, we are obsessed. They were saying we are obsessed. Oh, I know what it was. There was um, a film on about the, the Great Storm of 87, they call it. The Great Storm of 87. That's where Michael Fish, the weather forecast chap, I do feel sorry for him, made a name for himself for the wrong reasons. He said... Oh, some woman uh, has contacted us. She rang in and said, is there going to be a hurricane? I'm worried. And he said, no, no, there's not going to be a hurricane. No, there might be some blustery showers or something. And it was the worst uh, hurricane in 300 years. Houses had their roofs ripped off. And well, they showed a load of footage from the 1987 storm. It was dreadful. Trees came down. They reckon hundreds of thousands, I forget the figure, hundreds of thousands of trees all over the place just came down across roads, across cars, into people's houses. Dreadful. That's what they were saying um, about the weather and how Brits are obsessed with the weather. Whoever you meet, nice day, isn't it? I do. I see a neighbour outside. I say, hi, Fred, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. It's a nice day, isn't it? Oh, it is, isn't it? Nice to see the sun. <laughs> Like a couple of old ladies chatting over the fence. Oh, now I've been derogatory to old ladies. I'll get told off. Anyway, I think that's enough. Have you had enough? I've had enough. I'm going to make another cup of tea. It's dark now. Look at that. The old flag's still going out. I must take that down. It shouldn't be up in the dark. Not unless you have a spotlight on it. It's disrespectful to have it up in the dark. 
and the flag. Right, on that note, I'm going. Look after yourselves. Take care. I shall see you on Wednesday. Well, you'll hear me. Then next Sunday. In the meantime, behave yourselves. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Take care. Bye-bye for now.